Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers who not only solve user challenges, but also achieve business goals. In the 12th episode, I spoke with Taco Carlier, a co-founder and CEO of Venmove, an Amsterdam-based company that creates really awesome commuter bikes. Taco is an industrial designer who turned his love for bikes, design and business into a really successful and interesting company which is disrupting the bike industry. Actually, it's not just disrupting the bike industry, it's also disrupting itself. Uh, the company recently launched Vanmove Plus, a subscription service for bikes, which basically means they have changed their own business model. So we specifically talked about how the company, when Move prepared its business for a subscription service launch. Um, then we also talked about a new service uh, called Bike Hunter, which is basically a service that helps uh, its customers or subscribers uh, find and return their bikes if they're lost or stolen. And we also talked about the advantages and disadvantages of a closed design system. Because Venmove is an example of such closed system uh, because the company actually produces all products and have invented uh, and has invented all products itself and provides all services by themselves. Just one more thing before diving into the episode. I've recently created an email course called Measuring Design where I explain what are design metrics and how you can use them to measure your design work and not only that, but also how you can present it to non-designers to basically show the value of your work. It's a free five-day email course with a nice framework that I call Design Metric Canvas that you can use on your projects. So to get access to the course, please head to beyondusers.com. And now, without further ado, here's a conversation with Taco. Okay, well, Taco, thanks a lot for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Let's maybe begin by talking. Where does the idea for Venmoff come from? Um, I think the first idea popped up uh, when I was riding a bike in uh, in New York. I was on a um, on a business trip for a few days few days in New York back in two thousand six, and. Um, I always did it when I was in a in a foreign city. I always rented a bike because I believe it's a great way to explore a city. But especially in New York, yeah. I found out what a great uh, city for cycling it is. Uh, my favorite bike lane is over Brooklyn Bridge, and uh, the the cycle lane cycling lane along the Hudson is it's just beautiful. But I didn't see many uh, cyclists on the road, so that was for me kind of the moment when we. St- when yeah, my designer uh, <laughs> brain started thinking, uh, hmm, why are why are not many uh, more people cycling, and why um, what's the difference with Amsterdam, where fifty five percent of all commutes is done by bike? So how can we change yeah. bicycle design so to uh, to get more people? on bikes in cities like San Francisco, Amsterdam, Paris, London, and Berlin, and Tokyo. That was like the the main question um, mm. uh, with which Vermouth uh, started. Awesome. So after you had this idea, what was the next step you took? Um, 
I was uh, I already was an entrepreneur. I started uh, I studied industrial design engineering in Delft, and uh, during my studies, I started my first company together with my brother. And uh, so the first step after my bike ride is uh, in New York was uh, a lot of discussions with my brother mm-hmm. uh, for two years about uh, what the perfect city bike would look look like, uh, how we should approach that, what we should do. And um, it's. I have to add here that we were already. We started a, a small business besides our our own business, which was uh, importing an uh, a, a bicycle brand from. Uh, uh, so we were the distributors of a mm-hmm. of a folding bicycle brand. Um, so we were already learning a little bit about the the, the bicycle business. Um, yeah, so the the first step was uh, lots and lots of uh, discussions uh, during evenings in the bar uh, with my brother. Jeez. Yeah. So in one of the videos on 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 your website or on YouTube, you were saying that the bike industry and bike business is horrible and that nobody is talking and thinking about the users, so the bikers. So I guess you did talk to them, right? So what did you find out? What was what was wrong? Um, good question. I wouldn't say that it's uh, horrible, but um, so one of the big issues is the bi- that the most bicycle producers they deliver to bicycle shops, and the bicycle shops they have different uh, objectives than the end consumers have. Mm-hmm. So um, by talking directly to the end consumers, you uh, uh, yeah you. Uh, discover different things and that's one of the most important things we did uh, also of course we have a lot of experience ourselves uh, living in Amsterdam where uh, yeah. everything is on a bike we were practically born on a bike so a lot of ideas came from that too uh, yeah and then you 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 mix that and combine that and um, you uh, you'll discover the uh, the, the issues in current bike design. Now, one of the big, the, and maybe it's not issue. I, I think we, what we wanted to do is how uh, the, to to convert the traditional Dutch bike that everybody uses for for commuting. How can we make that more uh, suitable for foreign city, for foreign cities mm. like Amsterdam? Of course, is very flat and very dense, very small city. Um, but uh, Berlin, uh, Paris, London are much more hilly, are much bigger. And in the case of New York and uh, Paris, also much warmer in the summer. So what can we change in bicycle design to make uh, the Dutch bicycles more suitable for foreign city? That was the, the, the starting point of a move. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples of what you found yeah, out so maybe in the future? Uh, yeah, what we started. Uh, sorry, we we started with uh, with the lights on uh, Dutch bikes. Uh, always had the, the dynamo with all the external wires mm. and uh, the very fragile lights. So in most new bikes, after six months, the lights were already uh, demolished. So that was something we uh, we discovered in our daily lives, and uh, we. Um, checked that with friends and everybody had the same problem so that was the start of the integrated lights so we have the together with Philips we developed the light system that is completely in, integrated inside uh, uh, the bicycle frame and not only the lights also the wires everything is integrated um, so therefore 
uh, yeah, the lights keep on working for years and years. And um, we developed a an, an very efficient LED system with, uh, with Philips. So it's really bright. So the lights work in daytime too. Um, and uh, everything is integrated. So that was like the starting point, integrated lights. Then we uh, continued with an integrated lock. Uh, that was so nine years ago. Uh, we always had issues with the with the with the lock, which is uh, uh, which you had to tie around the bicycle frame, damages the frame. So we continue with mm-hmm. that, and then slowly, year over year, we solved more and more barriers for cyclists, and it turned into a yeah, and Vermove turned into a bicycle tech company with. Uh, <laughs> But nowadays, our bikes have uh, a Vodafone uh, 2G connection, a data connection. They have a Bluetooth connection. Uh, they have tracking and tracing. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, evolved more and more into, an, uh, into an, uh, a tech bike. Yeah, and, and it looks amazing also. Like when you were talking about the wires and the lights, it just like now the lights also also feel like they're almost the flagship of the whole frame. They just look amazing. So for all the listeners, just head to the website uh, on the Beyond Users and check. I'll put some pictures there so you can see it. It it really looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, but we uh, the funny thing is we always uh, focus on functionality. We never look into design, and mm-hmm. we believe that if we keep focusing on functionality, then a beautiful bike appears. But in mm. the beginning, uh, people, uh, many people didn't like our design uh, because it was too uh, uh, too uh, robust, too uh, a little bit uh, mm. lump. So um, uh, it, it, it it's a design that you ha- love or hate, and, okay. and we believe that's really important. But that's also good. So yeah. you also once said that the bike industry is very hard to disrupt. What makes it so hard to disrupt? It is uh, the setup of the bicycle industry with the traditional bike shops is uh, really conservative. Um, so uh, all the producers, they most of them, they mainly uh, produce the bicycle frames. Uh, but they don't produce uh, all the parts. They purchase all the parts. And in that way, it's very difficult to change the design of the bike because you have to talk to over 100 suppliers to to change things. And um, I think we kind of reinvented the way uh, bikes are designed because we decided to do everything in-house, to develop all the parts ourselves. So that started with the lights, then... Uh, the lock, then the saddle, the chain guard, uh, the mud guards, the steering bar, uh, and then way through uh, the electronics and and the software. We all do that in-house to try to create one integrated uh, design. I think we can compare it a little bit with the car industry. In the 1920s, yeah. 1930s, cars were, uh, yes, more like a, a, the, the, the producers only built the um uh, the frame of the car and then they bite all the parts so you s- the, the car was and 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 uh yeah m- somehow a, a, a pile of parts mm-hmm. it didn't uh came together and then in the in the 40s and 50s integrated design uh came and uh everything was was more 
welded into into uh, merged into one product and that's how we know cars now and i think uh, 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 bikes are now in that process mm -hmm. what would you say was the biggest tipping point in your story um for us it was the uh, the electric bike um mm -hmm. so the first uh, uh, five years of a company were mainly focusing on uh, um on traditional bikes but we always we we redesigned the way the, the frame was built so we can integrate parts in that and we did that for the lights and the lock and all kind of stuff but uh, it took us five years to discover that we also could uh, integrate uh, because we made the frame in such a way we could also completely integrate the batteries, uh, computer and motor management and and uh, and the motor in the front wheel. Um, and when we found that out, we pretty easily uh, could develop um, one of the best. Uh, electric bikes for urban use um, mm. and that's what we introduced in 2014 and then everything changed we uh, were, were focusing too long on, on, on Amsterdam and in Amsterdam you don't need an electric bike that, that hard but uh, uh, it took us five years to see that electric bikes can uh, really change the way people commute um, when you are cycling on a daily basis in New York or Paris uh, London too. Uh, the distances are too big and uh, it's too hilly to arrive without sweating. So uh, uh, cycling is only um, mm. an alternative for very fit young people. Because of electric bike that changes and uh, it makes it possible for everyone to commute on a bike. And I think that people are slowly discovering that now in cities around the globe, and that will change anything. Uh, that will change everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so we kind of integrated the design we had together with uh, um, new technology in, in battery and motor management, and, and uh, that's uh, brought us to the electrified. Mm. I actually tested the electrified bike a few weeks back, and it just feels amazing. I, I specifically like the turbo button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, so um, it's an it, you you still have to to pedal, but it uh, yeah. assists up to eighty percent of the power if you hit the turbo button even a little bit more. So it makes it possible to uh, commute to your work without sweating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you also recently launched another thing. So there have been many innovations recently. <laughs> so yeah, it's going. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, we kind of worked on this for uh, for five or six years, and it feels like uh, everybody is everything is coming, coming out now. now. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, the second part yeah. is this Wenmov Plus, right? Which is yeah. a subscription uh, for bikes. Yeah. Where where does the idea come from? Yeah, I think this is also a way to remove the the barriers that people encounter. Uh, they want to they, they want to go uh, uh, ride a bike uh, a little bit more, um, and one of the things is the purchasing price. Um, and with the subscription model, it's kind of a uh, we saw the popularity of bike sharing of the uh, of the Philippe systems in Paris, and uh, I think it's called Next Bike in uh, in Berlin. Yeah. Uh, 
so more and more people uh, are willing to uh, um, to ride a bike but not own a bike and we believe with this uh, with the subscriptions model Famove plus we can uh, we can provide that so people pay a monthly fee and they have their own bike and we take care of uh, maintenance and insurance um, and there's a nice extra perk that if you uh, let's say you live in Berlin so you have your uh, your own bike uh, on a monthly like uh, for your own use but if you are in visiting Amsterdam New York or San Francisco or any city where we have a brand store then you can uh, borrow a bike in our brand store so you can ride the same bike uh, in New York as you're riding in Berlin mm -hmm. I was actually also checking this out and I was pretty amazed by the prices right so the so-called key fee was like 300 euros and then you pay 20 euros uh, per month um, yeah, which is probably true. also then converted to dollars um, yeah I was wondering like financially speaking like how does this make sense for you instead of selling bikes? Um, I think it, it doesn't make sense in that case that uh, I'd rather uh, maybe sell the bike. It's easier. But I think this is the, the next step in, uh, in online sales. So in the traditional model, you went to, uh, like 10 years ago, you went to a bike shop and you bought a bike. Now that changed to online sales where you where you buy where you uh, buy it online uh, more and more people do that and the next step in that is that you don't buy it anymore but subscribe to a bike and uh, I think that's what's um, the, the cool thing about it from a design perspective is that it uh, really connects us even more with the customer so if the customer doesn't like his product uh, it, it gives us as a company mm -hmm. an incentive to make us to make the bikes better, to make them more robust, to make them more reliable. Because if people don't like the bike, they can always end their subscription. So if people don't like the bike, they can just send it back. And that gives us, um, yeah, the incentive to make the bikes better. And I think that's the good thing in this model. Mm -hmm. In the old model where you just sold bikes, uh, yeah, you just have to, with the, uh, as a bike company, you just have to endure the warranty period and then you're off. But in this case, you're, uh, we stay responsible for the, uh, for the health of the bike. And also when people return it, we have to take care of it. We have to mm -hmm. refurbish it to, to make it uh, suitable for a new customer or we have to uh, get rid of it uh, in a good way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more difficult for a company, but it's also the future. And um, that's why I like it. And it's at FAMO, you can say we love problems. We love to create new problems for ourselves. This will create problems because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know yet what I'm going to do if everybody after four or five years brings his bike, brings, uh, his bike back. So I create a new problem for myself. But when, I, when our company, uh, when, we, uh, when we run into these problems sooner than the other company, we also find mm. solutions sooner than the other companies. So we have to create as many problems as possible. And <laughs> the subscription model for us is a great way for us as a company to create new problems. So, you know, as a business designer, I'm very interested in how did you calculate the price that's kind of necessary to keep this all running and that it makes sense for you to uh, be selling the monthly subscription. Is there any like uh, process you took to kind of came up with those 
I mean, of course, probably there is. <laughs> so basically, uh, I think yeah. it's a step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. So we we uh, we could have never done it if we're not already uh, direct selling bikes. I mean, if you work with bike shops, you don't know how much of your bikes uh, uh, of your customers return uh, for repairs. Mm-hmm. But because we own the entire system, the shops, uh, and we and we also provide the after service to our current clients. Uh, it's possible for us. We know exactly how much of our customers run into problems. Mm-hmm. We also know which problems they have, which gives us the opportunity to uh, to improve uh, the product. I, I read an article which I love in the Huffington Post. It's called Digital uh, Native Vertical Brands. Uh, so vertical brands, brands that own the entire production chain, Um but we're have a we're mainly operating in a in a digital field, and mm. I think that describes Famu very uh, very well. And it also uh, one of the main differences is said that that uh, digital native uh, vertical brands have a very fast iterative product design circle. So we mm-hmm. we hear the we get direct uh, consumer feedback from our consumers, and we can. Uh, we directly divert this to our product designers who can uh, improve the products right away. And that's the first step of this. Uh, if you if you don't control that environment, you cannot go to subscriptions. A second thing is solving the bike theft uh, because we uh, uh, insurance is included, um, which is in fact, uh, I think, even a little bit cooler than insurance because we have a global uh, bike hunter team. Yeah. So um, first of all, all the bikes have alarms. So if you touch them, uh, an alarm will go off first si- uh, softly and uh, louder after the thief keeps riding the bike. Uh, then the owner gets a message if, if he knows that somebody is messing with his bike, if maybe it might be a relative or something. So if the owner confirms that he thinks the bike is stolen, then uh, our uh, bike hunters are, uh, <laughs> are activated and uh, they start tracking the bike. Uh, if they find it, they have two weeks to bring it back to the consumer. If they can't find it back within two weeks, uh, the owner uh, gets a new bike. Um, so we d- uh, we are doing that now for two years. Uh, it's getting more and more successful. At the moment, we find 70% of our uh, bikes back within two weeks. Wow. Um, so that was the second step. So first, we solved the durability um the second step was uh, solving uh, bike theft and now we feel confident enough to offer uh, the subscription model mm. so and yeah then so uh, the pricing um was relatively easy because it's all mm-hmm. uh, it's all hidden in the data we already have and uh we can just pop it out of the data and find out uh how much we have to uh, offer. Although I have to say, we do a lot uh, testing in the uh, practice. So it could easily be that we still change the prices a little bit in the future, mm-hmm. uh, depending on, on, on how it works. Uh, it also depends a lot on can we finance the growth of this model? If it's growing very fast, can we finance it? If we, if we manage to to solve that issue uh, prices can go uh, can go even lower mm-hmm. 
So there are many interesting points in your answer. And I just want to maybe let's start with one and then we can work our way back. So speaking about the bike theft and bike hunters, this is one of the things that got me excited about Wenmoff when I saw that, you know, like when you buy a bike, usually the reason why I bought a cheap bike was because I was just afraid it's going to get stolen. But then when you have yeah. this peace of mind insurance, it just makes the whole uh, decision, buying decision like different. And uh, also the fact that it's not just the insurance, but it's almost like a service where you give uh, people the bike back is even better, I think. Uh, which brings me to the question is like, uh, how did it affect the sales numbers having the the theft insurance? Um, I can't say everything is on the, it's all because of the bike hunters, but uh, the comp- company is uh, growing very rapidly. We are uh, doubling our turnover every year and this year uh, maybe even tripling. Oh. Um, so it's not only because of the bike hunters, but people do love the bike hunters. It's a, it's a, and you're completely right. It's not uh, about getting that specific bike back. It's about a bigger picture. We believe that uh, the fact that people are afraid of bike theft is the number one reason that people keep buying what we call disposable bikes. Yeah. So they go to uh, the supermarkets, the, the the Walmart, and they buy, uh, uh, I don't know, $150 bike. Uh, and we believe that's that's the uh, that's the real problem. The, the real problem is when yeah. somebody decided, hmm, maybe commuting by bike is a good idea for me, and then he buys a cheap bike, and then after three months, uh, the, the the I don't know the wheel bends or he get a flat tire or whatever happens, and he quits cycling again. So yeah. we want to convince people to uh, buy or subscribe to uh, a proper bike. So, because we believe then they will ride more. So, if we solve bike theft, uh, it will help um, get to get more people on bikes. So that's the first uh, step. And 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 uh, you're completely right. I think insurance doesn't solve the problem. You have a personal connection with your bike. You want your own yeah. bike back. Even if I uh, I had some bikes insured and then in the past and you get a new bike, but you still keep looking for your old bike. You yeah. still want to know where it is and uh, you want to know the story. Is it, did you, did you lost it or did it, is it, who, who stole it? And yeah. I think uh, that's something we try, uh, try to solve. And our bike hunters go very far. I mean, uh, they went all the way to uh, Morocco, Romania, uh, <laughs> Holland to, uh, to find stolen bikes back. And, um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, how do you actually uh, make these bike hunters work? Is it like a partner that you work with or do you actually employ these uh, people? No, we don't work with uh, partners. Um, we do everything ourselves. Uh, uh, almost everything in our company, um, we do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the bike hunters is more like uh, it's... Um, it's not a full-time job. So it's uh, people in our customer service department who apply for the bike hunter uh, uh, role. Mm. Um, and actually, it's so much fun that a lot of people do it uh, for fun at night, <laughs> uh, a lot of our employees. It's like uh, sometimes in uh, like in the weekends or uh, we have a, a group with the company in Slack and then um, – a stolen uh, yeah a stolen bike pops up and uh, uh everybody goes sometimes uh, uh i have to uh 
uh, hold the, the the bike hands a little bit uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, t- uh, to be safe. Now the problem is um, um, it's it's the bike hunters is just the people. It's it's more than that. It's a it's a complete system yeah. um, of um, so the the Vodafone uh, tracking two uh, uh, G system, the Bluetooth system, uh, our servers, um, also. Um, the fact that we have the closed system. I mean, uh, we don't work with external bike shops. So if you somebody bought a stolen bike from the thief, he eventually will come back to one of our stores and all the, <laughs> uh, the bikes are registered. So we, so when somebody comes in, we know it's stolen and, uh, yeah, we try to find out what, uh, what happened together with the customer and um and try to solve the, the solve the case so the bike hunter is bigger than just the people that hunt bikes oh that's very clever i haven't thought of that that they actually have to come back right <laughs> okay. yeah it's it's uh i tell you uh it's even uh cooler than that if someone reports a bike stolen in the smartphone app a signal goes to the to the bike and the lights don't work anymore the motor doesn't work anymore the lock doesn't work anymore so nothing practically works anymore so you cannot use the bike so what mm-hmm. happens is everyone who bought this this stolen bike will come up come to the store uh, very soon and say hey can you fix my lights or can you fix the motor it doesn't work we even had a customer who uh, who who uh, who bought a stolen bike was riding it for 3 months without knowing that it was an electric bike so he came oh. to our store that the lights didn't work. And we <laughs> said, yeah, you know, it's an electric bike. And he didn't know it. So that was a <laughs> kind of funny story. Yeah. Um, so uh, we kind of, uh, uh, yeah, switch off the bike from a distance. So uh, people have to come back to the store to, uh, to get it working again. Mm-hmm. Do you see the number of uh, Wenmoff bikes being stolen go down because of this service? You know, like maybe the bike thefts now know that Wenmoff is just, you know, you shouldn't steal it and let's just leave it. Yeah, it's hard to tell because um, um, we we do see, uh, we think we see a small difference in, uh, in Amsterdam. Of course, Amsterdam is our hometown, so we have most mm. of the... Uh, relatively the most uh, bikes are on the street in Amsterdam and there we uh, we see uh, that it's a small decline in the theft of new bikes so we believe eventually uh, this will happen yeah uh, we only recently uh, um, introduced the alarm so that's a really new thing uh so we already had the, the 2G connection the bluetooth and the electronic lock but now we also have the alarm and we believe that that uh will dramatically reduce the amount of uh of theft because mm. when you have as a thief when you have to choose between 10 bikes and one of them has an alarm i think you <laughs> uh, think twice before you get that bike so um that will definitely help makes sense so you mentioned that you have a closed system, which has its advantages, but I guess also disadvantages, right? So I'm just thinking, like, what happens if you don't live in one of the cities where you have a brand store? Uh, how is then the experience for the user different? 
Yeah. So um, when you are this, uh, at the moment for the subscription model, we only offer that to cities where we do have a brand store just mm-hmm. to start things up. If you are a traditional uh, uh, customer who, who bought a, one of our bikes and you live are not living close to a brand store, um, we so when people run into an issue, uh, we have a, a service desk and people can call and together with uh with modern technology like uh making some photos on the smartphone whatsapping that to us we can kind of uh discover what the issue is also when it's an electric electronic problem we just log into the bike and check if we can find uh, the, uh, the issue mm-hmm. um and then we'll send uh parts uh over within 24 hours uh and people can choose to uh, repair it for themselves uh, with the help of a YouTube movie or they can go to uh, their neighbor or they can go to a local bike store. So uh, we believe that model in the future will work better than the traditional model where you bring your bike to a bike store and you have uh, yeah, hundreds, uh, maybe thousands of different bikes and the bike store has to uh, determine where to get the parts and everything. So... Um, we believe this is the future of uh, of bike repairing. Um, also, we go further and further with um, uh, with sensor technology. Uh, so, connecting our sensors to the data connection of the bike. So, in uh, in the near future, we will be able to discover more and more uh, issues from a distance, and uh, we can determine. Uh, in the in the perfect world, we, uh, you would have the uh, uh, reserve parts in your house before you know there's an issue. Oh, um, cool! On some parts, we are already there. Uh, in the future, we want to go there more and more. Mm-hmm. Well, this all sounds amazing. So I need to flip now and say, ask you, like, what was the most challenging part of uh, setting this up? Um. I think one of the most challenging uh, of setting up the subscription model was uh, financing it and the whole uh, environment behind it. So the whole uh, uh, databases, uh, being able to to get the payments on a monthly basis, uh, getting all the contracts right. I think that for us as a company was the the most difficult um, part. Mm -hmm. So how did you try to solve it? Was there anything in specific you did? Um, It was just um, hard to uh, for the entire team uh, to do something really different. I mean, we're used to selling bikes and now to build... uh, to rebuild our, our, our systems and to connect all the systems together to uh, fulfill um, this monthly payments. I think that was the hardest. So it's, 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 uh, mm. it took a lot of uh, bl- blood, sweat, and tears from the team uh, and a lot of night work. But in the end, we managed to, uh, to connect all the systems and solve it. Cool. So earlier you said that um, one of the advantages of the closed system is also the customer loop, the feedback that you have all along. Is there any specific way how you gather the customer feedback and then synthesize what you should do with it next? Um, yeah, what we do, that's 
uh, that's handwork. So the uh, customer support, they have systems to uh, uh, to manage and uh, archive all the uh, feedback that comes in from customers. And so they make monthly report and deliver that to, uh, uh, to R&D. So on a monthly basis, R&D uh, gets feedback over what, are, what the biggest uh, problems are. Okay. And I said customer support, but the bike, so in all the stores we have bike doctors and the bike doctors are in this system too. So the people on the R&D, they get the monthly report uh, about uh, the, uh, the issues they have to improve. Mm -hmm. By the way, these are great names, bike doctors, bike hunters, <laughs> sounds great <laughs> um, yeah so speaking about the, also the subscription right what happens with bikes after a user returns them like um, what I'm particularly interested in is did you have to change the product so the bike itself so that it's more ready for the refurbishment um, if somebody returns it no that doesn't change uh our bikes, bikes in general, are pretty uh, easy to refurbish. I mean, the frame, the bicycle frame, always, yeah, that that can last for uh, for twenty five to fifty years. So you only have to uh, change the parts that uh, uh, that have to be changed. Uh, now, what what we what we do have to change on the bike is make it more durable in the current systems bikes uh in 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 in, in uh, regular bicycle factories are made uh like uh, uh 95 ready to go and then they go to the bike shops and the bike shops uh make them ready to go and um, what we are changing is to get them straight out of the factory completely ready to go mm. and the goal is to get them uh, so that people get them out of the out of the box and uh, can ride them for uh, for two years without any maintenance or issues. Um, so um, to do that, we have to change some things on the on the bicycle designs. For example, uh, the chain guard in a regular bike. A regular bike after three months, you have to go uh, back to the bike shop to. Uh, tension the chain a little bit because there's also a little bit also uh, there's always a little bit stretch in it in the first three months no mm -hmm. matter how good of a chain you buy it's always uh, the case um, so but in a uh, in the model of the past there was no issue because you went back to the bike shop it was around the corner and uh, you probably bought an extra uh, rear carrier or helmet I don't know uh, everybody was happy but now more and more people buy bikes online and maybe even in the subscription model you don't want people to uh, to have to go back to the to the bike shop after three months so yeah. for instance for example in this case we um, reinvented the the chain guard and integrated to uh, integrated a chain tensioner that keeps uh, the chain on a perfect tension for at least the first two years on a daily use. So uh, we're changing uh, part by part the bicycle design uh, to make it uh, suitable for uh, for online sales. Mm. Taco, where do you see Wenmoff in five years? 
Um, yeah, in five years, we want to be the global number one in commuting by bike. And uh, so we and we want to change the way people commute in bikes. I think because of electric bikes, um, you already see a, a big change now in cities like London, New York, and uh, and Paris. Uh, people, uh, cities are really rediscovering uh, the benefits of cycling. Um, I think the uh, the bicycle sharing systems like. Uh, uh, the Santander bikes in uh, in London, the Philippe in uh, in Paris, changed a lot. Um, uh, cities mm. are massively investing in, uh, in in cycling infrastructure again. So I really hope and I really believe that we will see um, much more bikes in uh, in 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 the ever expanding cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we started recording, you said it. You are a designer, right? But you always had some kind of uh, affinity for business. Where does that come from? Yeah, I've always been, um, and, and I always liked the uh, the combination of entrepreneurship and design. And I like uh, designing my my company just as much as designing products. And I really uh, think it's interesting uh, the combination. So. Uh, the, uh, companies that are designed around a product, uh, something that I uh, think Apple uh, kind of invented. Um, Tesla, of course, is doing that a, a great job there. The whole company is designed about their their main product. I, I really like Sonos too in 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 that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think is is interesting. Um, to uh, um, yeah, to design the, the the way you treat customers, the way you run your ERP systems, the way you run finance, to design everything uh, around that single product, uh, and to do that in a global way. So um, I think modern companies are uh, uh, are very much uh, focused on one product. Uh, but do that uh, on a global level, level, and in such way they can uh, they can produce in a more efficient and uh, better way, and and deliver a more quality for a for a better price. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's very interesting. Is there any particular, like speaking about the design of venture or design of a company, anything you are specifically proud of? Um, I'm most proud of the product. I'm, I'm, I can, I can, I can't stop smiling. I like our new bike, um, opens <laughs> with just, uh, uh, when you, when you uh, touch the touch screen, it's, uh, it recognizes, uh, your phone being in the neighborhood and then the lock, lock opens, um, mm. or the, uh, and it, and it has sound. So it makes a, a sound like, uh, you open uh, a lock like a car and yeah, if I see that, uh, or when I'm riding my own bike in uh, in a in a foreign city like uh, New York, then I can't stop smiling, and that's what I uh, what, that's what I like the most about it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Just as a last question, where can listeners find more about you or Wenmov? Uh, of course, on our website on www.fanmove.com. Um, I think that's the best starting point, and um, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then let's take it from there. Cool. Uh, Thanks again for your time, Taco. I really appreciate it.
You're welcome. Thanks for, uh, for having me. Thanks a lot. Cool. That's it in today's episode. If you do like this show or this episode, I kindly ask you to consider leaving a review or a comment on iTunes or any other podcast app for that matter. Um, this really helps me a lot in getting great guests and also um, it helps other listeners find this show easier on these crowded uh, podcasts apps. And again, if you're interested in how to measure design, to basically show the value of your design work to non-designers and to also know yourself how you're doing, like how you can track the progress of your work, head to beyondusers.com and there you can sign up for a five-day free email course and um, in there you will learn what design metrics are, how you can use them on your projects and um, you'll also get to download a free design metric canvas which is a framework that you can use in your projects to identify all the appropriate and necessary metrics. So for that, head to beyondusers.com. Cool, that's it for today. Thanks for your attention and see you soon.